Friends, let us pray. Holy Spirit, by your mysterious power, speak to us your truth and show us your wisdom that we may know you more deeply and serve you more faithfully for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel reading is from the gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter, verses 26 through 34. Hear these parables of Jesus. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? <clears throat> or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was very late planting flowers this year. I didn't get around to it until last Sunday. Well, in the back of our house, there are four or five pots that had been sitting outside all winter long, and in them were last year's dirt and this year's weeds. Except for one, which has my trusty chive plant. Now, I love chives not only for their culinary uses, but because I don't need to do anything with them. They just grow. Whether I water them or not, they grow. Whether they're in a lot of sun or in only a little bit, they grow. And whether I pull the weeds out or not, they grow. If I cut them to use them in recipes, they grow back. And whether I bring the pot into the garage over the winter or not, the next spring, they just keep growing. Well, as my planting buddy Marianne and I were getting ready to plant a few things, she pointed to the pot right next to my chives and said, doesn't that look like chives? Well, sure enough, some seed had jumped into another pot on its own and started growing. Something similar happened back when we lived in Buffalo, BTC, before Third Church. Except in that case, those chives appeared a good 15 feet away with a huge expanse of patio pavers in between. So not only do I not have to tend them, they will spread despite my best efforts 
to contain them in a single pot. In the two parables Jesus told today, he said, the kingdom of God is like that. A scattered seed takes root and grows in ways that we do not know. It's inevitable in the ecosystem of God. How big it gets and how far it spreads is completely out of our control. And that is a little scary for those of us who are planners and control freaks. We might prefer the other parable about sowing seeds, the one that Jesus told earlier in Mark's fourth chapter, where it seems that we can at least have a little more say-so in the outcome. In that parable, most of the seeds didn't do well at all, depending on the soil where they landed. For birds ate the ones that fell on the path. Those that fell on rocky ground grew roots that were too shallow and they died. Those that fell among the thorns were choked out. But the seeds that fell onto good soil thrived. And that parable suggests that our response to Jesus' call does matter. A lot, in fact. Now, you'll recall that in our faith tradition, we seek to read the whole Bible and interpret one passage in the context of everything else in Scripture, especially in light of Jesus' life and witness, we do that rather than selectively picking out verses to justify, say, an unjust action against vulnerable populations like migrant children. How we respond does make a difference in God's ecosystem. At the same time, today's parables counterbalance that in a hopeful way. God is at work and sovereign no matter what, growing in mysterious and even wondrous ways is the essence of God's reign. It's not just up to us. It's not even mostly about us. And that is good news for us when the demands of discipleship have worn us down or when we've fallen short in our response or when the world's state of affairs feels uncertain and foreboding. One of the joys I experience in this ministry is seeing these parables come to life. The seeds are varied, sometimes a seed of discontent with what is, or a seed of hope for what could be, or a seed of compassion for someone in need, or a seed of some untried idea. So imagine the kingdom of God looking like this story that Third Church Tutoring Coordinator Deb Bishop gave me permission to share. The kingdom of God is as if one of our congregation members, her name is Jen Poggi, mentions to a member of her Saturday morning running group that she tutors at school number three. 
And that person happens to be Monroe County Under Sheriff Corey Brown. And her comment in him, or comment reawakens in him memories of his own tutor experience in the city schools. And it grows into an idea to give his staff members at the county jail the chance to give back to the community during their work hours in hopes of shining light into their often dark and stressful days. Deb meets with him and the other jail staff and talks with teachers at the school. And they all see the potential in this, so Deb begins coordinating schedules. In March, different departments within the jail adopt eight classrooms, giving deputies an hour a week in a classroom helping with lessons, reading to children, and getting to know them. And it works. The students love having them in their classrooms, and they harbor dreams of one day themselves becoming an officer. And now the sheriff's department is already thinking of ways to increase the numbers of law enforcement officers involved during the next school year. And just the other day, the county jail superintendent tells Deb and the school principal, I know you all feel that we're doing school number three a service, but the truth is, our deputies are the ones being served. Friends, the kingdom of God is like that. With what else can we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a conversation in New Orleans over dinner during our final post-Katrina work trip. Nancy Watson articulates her passion for creating warm and hospitable and beautiful spaces for people who have experienced trauma or hardship. Months later, we receive an email from our partners at RAIN, the Rochester Interfaith Hospitality Network, inviting congregations to sponsor a room at their new day center for homeless families. And that would mean furnishing it to meet the needs of five families at a time who all share a single space. Well, I remember our conversation in New Orleans a few months earlier, and I simply forward Nancy the email and saying, I wonder if something like this could be of interest to her. That's all it takes. And before I know it, she has assembled a team to work on it, people like Ginny Batchelor and Carol Jones and Lori Mahoney and the Mellicks and others I may have neglected to mention. And a funding appeal goes out to members of the congregation, and people respond generously. And although the planning team has many of their own creative ideas, more importantly, they spend many hours listening to the staff and the families at Rain to learn what they really require. And then they change their plans to serve them. They furnish it, 
They're re now redoing the kitchen area so that five parents can work in that kitchen side by side. And the team creates not only a functional, but a long-lasting and welcoming temporary home for vulnerable families in transition. Not unlike the large branches of Jesus' parable where birds can make their nest in the shade. The kingdom of God is like that. It's also like a coffee conversation while working on anti-gun violence issues. David Tennant and Dale Maddox sit down with police officer Moses Robinson and they discover shared concerns about the impact of violence. And in the process, Moses shares his vision of an urban campout for urban youth. The seed he plants begins to grow into a field of dreams. The threesome approach the Rochester Red Wings baseball team. Could it happen at Frontier Field? Yes. Could they offer the opportunity to boys from School 17? Yes. And over the course of 18 months, they forge other partnerships. Churches, including our own, say we can provide funds and personnel. The police department says we can bring horses from the mounted patrol unit. Wegman says we can provide breakfast. The city school district says we can provide transportation and chaperones. And the National Guard says we can provide tents and sleeping bags. The boys experience a fun opportunity they would never have imagined, a baseball game, food, fireworks, a movie on the jumbotron screen, and a camp out within the stadium. In the midst of despair, community forms, barriers break down at least for an overnight. And like my chives or any good perennial that grows back year after year, so does Field of Dreams again in year two and year three and just last weekend in year four, albeit with a little more effort. The kingdom of God is like that too. 30 middle school boys camping out in the middle of a baseball field, which when you think about it, and you think about all of the unique and sometimes puzzling ways that middle school boys can act, well, that in itself is a pretty humorous vision of God's reign. Scholar Matt Skinner says humor and absurdity are part of the main point of Jesus' own parables. So if Jesus wanted to equate God's inbreaking reign with something impressive, he could have used the tall, majestic cedars of Lebanon, as did the prophet Ezekiel. But he didn't. Instead, he describes something more ordinary, and yet also something more able to show up, Skinner writes, to take over inch by inch and eventually to transform a whole landscape. 
to upend a society's ways of enforcing stability and relegating everyone to their proper places. It will mess with established boundaries and conventional values. And like a fast replicating plant, it will get into everything. It will bring life and color to desolate places. It will crowd out other concerns. It will resist our manipulations. And its humble appearance will expose and mock pride and pretentiousness like a good burlesque show. The parables of Jesus and even of today tell us that even in places of barrenness and brokenness, God is at work. In places of inequality and inequity, God is at work. In places of hurt and despair, God is already at work. Do we have the eyes to see? Do we have the ears to hear? Do we have the imaginations to wonder? And if we do, do we have the courage to find our place in these parables that Andrew King has reflected on with this poem? The sower has pared her hope down to tiny seed. Is it able to grow, she wonders? Is there arable soil? Rain enough? The seed itself is so small, small as a drop of joy in a field of despair, small as a gesture of love in a hostile plain. At night, the sower dreams of a flowering shrub. Sheltering there are birds of every kind. Their songs have wings, wings the colors of rainbows. She wakes to find the shrub begun, life beginning to blossom. And as the days roll into weeks and months, the shrub grows green and strong. The sheltering birds lift up their songs, and the dream seems brought to fruition. But the rains dry up, and a harsh wind blows. The green begins to fade, and the boughs of the shrub are broken. The sower's heart is stricken for the life-giving plant. But see, within the surviving branches, upon the battered boughs, new seeds of life still form, singing songs with wings the colors of rainbows. The sower gathers the precious fruit. And the sower again continues to sow the small, brilliant seed of hope. Friends, the kingdom of God is like that. See, the parables come to life in your midst. They are already there, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be rewritten and waiting to be told anew. Amen.